I'm Mike Lunsford, and this is Stop Me If You've Heard This, a podcast where we dig deeper into the stories you thought you knew. Who is Jimmy Buffett? Most of us have a passing knowledge of him as the Margaritaville guy or a cheeseburger in paradise guy. You know, the restaurants that he has that were named after songs that he created. And other things get thrown around with his name, too. So like sellout, novelty act, things like that. People don't take Jimmy Buffett seriously. He created an entire empire around an idea, this idea of island escapism. And that's why he is the subject of tonight's episode of Stop Me If You've Heard This. Jimmy Buffett grew up in the Gulf Coast area of Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana, and uh, he attended Auburn University, spent a year at Pearl River Community College, and University of Southern Mississippi, where he finally received his bachelor's degree in 1969. When he was in college, that's when he decided that he wanted to play guitar. He was familiar with music before he played trombone in the high school band, those sorts of things, but it was in college that he started picking up the guitar. After he graduated from college, he decided to travel around and try to find his feet as a musician. Frequently found busking in cities like New Orleans. Busking is playing for money on the streets for those unfamiliar with the term. But he wasn't singing songs about sitting on a beach, drinking margaritas, and living a life of leisure yet. He started his career as a folk singer. So think of like Bob Dylan. Think of uh, Jim Croce. Singers like that. That's kind of the model that he was going after. And really, singing on street corners wasn't really doing it for Jimmy. It wasn't paying the bills. And he managed to get a job in the music industry, but in a completely different way. Turns out Jimmy Buffett's a pretty doggone good writer. And he was working as a correspondent for Billboard magazine in Nashville. And he was a pretty good correspondent for Billboard as well. He recalls in his memoir, uh, Pirate Looks at 50, I had gone from another nobody songwriter who couldn't get his foot into a music publisher's door into assistant Southern editor of Billboard. Hell, people took me to lunch. I had business cards. I flew to New York for editorial meetings. So he was a big deal. But it wasn't doing it for him. He wasn't living the life that he wanted to live. And it it was in 1971, his friend uh, Jerry Jeff Walker convinced Jim to join him on a busking trip to Key West, Florida. Buffett was hooked. This was the lifestyle he wanted, living on the beach, drinking margaritas, singing songs for people, and they were paying to hear him play music. He moved to Key West, and he became focused on creating the sound that would essentially be a genre all within itself. They call it Gulf and Western, which is a play on... Uh, country and western Uh, but an amalgam of country folk jam band mentality that is centered on an island escapism style it was his 1973 album a white sport coat and a pink crustacean that was buffett's first taste of moderate success the single the great filling station hold up grapefruit juicy fruit and why don't we get drunk which we'll listen to right now Just bought a water dance filled 
Why Don't We Get Drunk was written as a novelty B-side to the Great Filling Station holdup, as a parody of the typical country love ballad. So as you can hear, the lyrics are a little bit on the nose. Um, Buffett stated that the song was a total satire and wasn't even meant to go on the album. Uh, him and the musicians uh, that he was using in studio, they were just fooling around in the take. But immediately the song became controversial and there were jukebox sales. Back then, that's how you sold albums, was getting them on the jukebox. Buffett further notes, I was hearing a lot of very suggestive country songs. Uh, in particular, Norma Jean's Let's Go All The Way. I figured I would write a song that would leave no doubt in anybody's mind. I thought back to a late night in Atlanta diner where I was eating and watching this out-of-focus businessman try to pick up a hooker. That's all the inspiration I needed. Buffett would release three more albums that were his Key West albums, uh, Living and Dying in Three Quarter Time, A1A, and Havana Nights, uh, with Dying in Three Quarter Time garnering his first top 40 hit single, and that was Come Monday, which is my personal favorite Jimmy Buffett song, which we're going to listen to right now. Heading out to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show. I got my hush puppies on I guess I never was meant for glitter rock and roll And honey, I didn't know That I'd be missing you so Come Monday, it'll be alright Come Monday Yes, it's been quite a summer rent a cars and westbound trains And now you're off on vacation Something you tried to explain And darling, it's I love you so That's the reason I just let you go As I mentioned, this was one of Jimmy's first top 40 hit singles. It reached number 30 on the Billboard Hot 100. Uh, it reached number 3 on the Easy Listening charts and number 58 on the Country charts, respectively. Um, and it's written about Jimmy's wife as he wrote it for her while he was on tour. Uh, in fact, the line heading up to San Francisco for the Labor Day weekend show, he actually explained that he was writing the song when he was heading out to San Francisco in 1973. It is one of Jimmy's most popular songs, as I mentioned, uh, and because of that, it is involved in what is called the Big Eight, which are eight songs of his that are essentially non-negotiables that have to be played at every concert that he plays. And what he'll do, do to customize the song for each show is he'll change the lyric, I just can't wait to see you again, to it's so nice to be in blank location again. As this is a podcast about stories, I wanted to tell a particularly fascinating story to me about Jimmy's early days crafting his persona in Key West. So he went to Key West in 1971. He was trying to find himself, figure out what kind of sound he wanted for his music. And one of his biggest experiences was struggling as a musician and as a storyteller while he was there. Uh, although the albums that he wrote while he was there are not exclusively about Key West, they detail the laid-back island ethos of the small island city of, of Key West and its pre-condo commando status as an, an American Casablanca, if you will. So there was a place, basically in Casablanca, the line they used was a place where no one knows your name and would not care if they did. At the time, Key West was a derelict Navy town looking for a direction and was filled with small bars and restaurants craving singer-songwriters, troubadours, if you will, like Jimmy Buffett. 
This era in Key West history was the backdrop for what would become the Jimmy Buffett persona that so many of us know to this day. Nineteen seventy-seven was the year that it all changed for Jimmy Buffett with the release of his seventh studio album, Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes. This album was a breakthrough hit, charting number twelve on the Billboard two hundred, which was his biggest uh, to date, and number two on the country charts. It was his first platinum album. In fact, we'll listen to Changes in Latitude, Changes in Attitude, right now. Changes in Latitudes, Changes in Attitudes was Jimmy's first big breakthrough hit. It was number 12 on the Billboard Top 200. It was number two on the country charts. It was his first platinum album, and it spawned the hits, Changes in Latitude, that we just listened to, and his most recognizable song by far, Margaritaville, which you can hear right now, and we'll go into a little bit of the story behind that song next. Nibbling on sponge cake Watching the sun bake all of those tourists covered with oil Strumming my six string On my front porch swing Smell of shrimp they're beginning to boil Wasting Everyone has heard this song, probably piped in at the grocery store or at every beach-themed restaurant on the face of the planet. Jimmy Buffett wrote this song about the first surge of tourism that descended on Key West in the 76-77 time frame. The song reached number 8 on the Billboard Hot 100 and went to number 1 on the Easy Listening chart. This one song changed everything for Jimmy Buffett. The lyrics reflected a laid-back lifestyle, tropical climates, and because of this has come to define his career. In fact, he jokingly calls his compilation of biggest hits, Songs You Know By Heart, Jimmy Buffett's Greatest Hit, with a, an S in parentheses after the word hit, implying that this was the only song that was really a big hit. Uh, it was the only one, actually, his only top 10 hit that he ever had uh, in his entire career. The song was so impactful that it was inducted in the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2016 for cultural and historic significance. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, Buffett catches a lot of flack for being a sellout or a novelty act. You might even hear people call him corny. I mean, it, the song is kind of corny. It's about him drinking beer on a beach. I did also mention that he's quite a skilled writer, though, um, as he spent time with Billboard, and that really showcased his abilities. But Margaritaville is actually a great song to analyze as well when it comes to Jimmy Buffett's lyrical and writing abilities. It's just a song about hanging out on the beach and watching people sunbathe, right? If you listen in to the underlying theme of the song, 
It's all about how the narrator is wasting away in this island town. He's drowning his sorrows over a failed relationship that all of his friends say it's the ex's fault. And as the song progresses, he starts to think, you know, maybe it was my fault. And by the end of the song, he takes responsibility and he even says, it's my own damn fault. Not so corny, huh? When we look at Margaritaville, this could have been his only hit. And essentially, he could have coasted off this for the rest of his career. He could have played a few festivals every year, show up at the beach at an amphitheater, play a couple songs, drink a couple beers, and call it a night. But as his fame grew and people started showing up to his shows dressed in island garb, he thought there has to be a way to market this and make this make this last, make this wonderful thing that's happening go a little bit further. He learned about the music business after college when he was writing for Billboard magazine. There he saw how poorly the music industry took care of its artists. It was indentured servitude, and it still is, he said. He tried to stand up to record companies, and he wanted to keep his publishing rights, but it was impossible. The label wouldn't give him a record deal unless they owned everything. It's up to you to figure out how to take advantage or to manage whatever it is that you're going to do, he said. And from that song, Margaritaville came the brand of the same name. For Buffett, it wasn't about making a cheap buck. It was about controlling his brand and what the name Jimmy Buffett meant and how his music and lifestyle would be thought of. So he did little things at first. He started his own record label, Mailbox Records. In doing that, he went from making a little over $2 a record to 6 He built his own tour bus. It costs five times more to rent equipment than it does to own it yourself. And then he turned that around. He then rents that equipment out to other acts to make more money. He took charge of all his merchandise, but not out of greed. He did it because he could do it better than the people who were ripping Ung off with concert t-shirts that spelled his name with only one T instead of two. He found that the most popular shows were in landlocked states. In fact, it was in Cincinnati that the term Parrothead was born, uh, referring to his fans. The name stuck immediately as concertgoers began wearing beaks, wings, and feathers to shows almost overnight. He used that new name to sell merchandise, calling his fans Parrotheads, selling Parrothead paraphernalia like hats and gloves and various other costume elements that fans could wear to his concerts. He wanted his fans to show their appreciation, so he facilitated that instead of giving somebody else the opportunity to make money off of his name. And here's another one of Jimmy Buffett's big hits, Cheeseburger in Paradise. some of you may have heard of this song too cheeseburger in paradise because of the restaurant cheeseburger in paradise as i mentioned before margaritaville became a brand but not only was it a brand it was a series of restaurants and hotels casinos resorts retail outlets and they're building a retirement community in daytona beach florida jimmy buffett has found a way to make his songs that are incredibly relatable to everybody into franchises Cheeseburger in Paradise was almost like a secondary thought form, too, because Margaritaville was the first. He created the first Margaritaville restaurant in Key West in 1985 and followed it up with the Cheeseburger in Paradise franchise. But really, just like Margaritaville, when you really break down the history behind this song, Cheeseburger in Paradise was written 
because of a boating accident. Uh, and this is from Buffett's own words. The myth of the cheeseburger in paradise goes back to a long trip on my first boat, the Euphoria. We had run into some very rough weather crossing the Mona Passage between Hispaniola and Puerto Rico and broke our new bowsprit. The ice in our box had melted and we were doing the canned food and peanut butter diet. The vision of a piping hot cheeseburger kept popping into my mind. We limped up to the Sir Francis Drake Channel and into Roadtown on the island of Tortola, where a brand new marina and bar sat at the end of the dock like a mirage. We secured the boat, kissed the ground, and headed for the restaurant. To our amazement, we were offered a menu that featured an American cheeseburger and pina coladas. Now, these were the days when supplies were scarce, when horse meat was more plentiful than ground beef in these tiny stores of the third world. Anyway, we gave particular instructions to the waiter on how we wanted them cooked and what and we wanted on them to which very little attention was paid. It didn't matter. The overdone burgers on the burned toasted buns tasted like manna from heaven, for they were the realization of my fantasy burger of that trip. That's the true story. I've heard other people in places claims that I stopped or cooked in their restaurants, but that is the way it happened. And say what you will about the guy, whether he be corny, whether he be a sellout, whatever it is, he's relatable. And not only that, anybody can appreciate wanting to escape a little bit after a stressful day or almost dying in a sailing accident. And here's another one of those big eight songs that Jimmy Buffett plays at every concert. This one is called Fins. In fact, this is played at every Miami Dolphins home game. Fins, Dolphins, I mean, come on, the correlation's right there. Cincinnati, it took her three days on the train. Looking for some peace and quiet. Hope to see the sun again. But now she lives down by the ocean. Taking care to look for sharks They hang out in the local bar And they feed right after dark Can't you feel them circling, honey? Can't you feel them swimming around? You got fence to the left, fence to the right And you're the only bait in town Oh, oh So in a bit of genius marketing, Jimmy Buffett actually used the beer that he helped create, Landshark Beer, and bought the naming rights to the Miami Dolphins home stadium. So for 2009, the Miami Dolphins played at Landshark Stadium, and he reworked the lyrics to this song, which originally the song Fins came out in 1979. He reworked the lyrics to the song in 2009 specifically to be Miami Dolphins themed. And of course he made money off of this, but it was fun and it was cool. And it's become a tradition for Miami Dolphins fans to sing this song after every touchdown, which if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you know that that's unfortunately few and far between. We've mentioned at uh, great lengths that Jimmy Buffett is an excellent writer as well. In fact, he has written three number one bestsellers, uh, Tales from Margaritaville and Where is Joe Merchant, which both spent seven months on the New York Times bestseller fiction list. And then also uh, his memoirs, A Pirate Looks at 50. And that went straight to number one for nonfiction, which makes him one of only eight authors in history to reach number one on both the fiction and nonfiction list. So he's in the company of people like Ernest Hemingway, John Steinbeck, uh, Dr. Seuss, Mitch Album, people like that. So pretty impressive. In fact, one of his books, Where is Joe Merchant, is one of my favorites. It's unexpectedly so, too. It's an excellent story. 
and it, it's all over the place. I almost describe it as like a Caribbean style Star Wars story set in the late 80s. So definitely check that one out when you get a chance. As we wrap this episode of Stop Me If You've Heard This Up, I want to reiterate that Jimmy Buffett is a brilliant man, uh, an incredible songwriter, an incredible writer, but also, too, a great man who does a lot of things for charity as well. Early in his career in 1981, he created the Save the Manatee Club with former Florida Governor Bob Graham. It's the world's leading manatee protection organization, and he did more than just this. As somebody who grew up in the Gulf Coast and lived in Key West, he knows how impactful hurricanes can be to the area. And in 2004, after Florida, Alabama, and the Caribbean were affected by four major hurricanes, he did a relief concert in Orlando, Florida, to raise funds for the affected areas. But also, too, going outside of the United States, he does things in the rest of the world, too. His first show that he ever performed in Hong Kong uh, was in January of 2008, and it was a concert that raised $63,000 for the Foreign Correspondence Club Charity Fund, and it sold out within weeks. So immediately upon releasing and announcing that there was going to be a concert, it was sold out. And he did the performance, and he bought the Groundlings all of their tequila and beer. So you, you can't go wrong with that. In 2010, he put on a free concert on the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama. The concert was Buffett's response to the BP oil disaster. He wanted to show people that it was okay to go to these beaches. And the concert aired on CMT television. 35,000 free tickets were given away within minutes to help draw people back to the beaches. Buffett played several popular songs, including Finn's Son of a Son of a Sailor, Pirate Looks at 40, and a modified version of Margaritaville, where the lyrics were changed into the choruses, Now I Know That It's All BP's Fault. And the final thought that I want to end this episode on is anybody could create a song, could create an album that gets popular and sell the rights and become a millionaire based off of just that alone. But Jimmy Buffett was worried about his legacy. He wanted to make sure that the message that he wanted to portray was the one that was coming out. He wasn't going to allow a record company to dictate what was going to be said. He wasn't going to allow some outside company to make million dollars off of his name when they couldn't even spell his name right on t-shirts. If he was going to do this thing, if he was going to make Margaritaville the concept, something that everybody would want to get behind, he wanted to do it the right way. Even after he'd made millions off of the concept, he didn't forget where he came from. He gave back to the community, continues to give back to the community, and continues to create and craft his legacy so that it's never anything other than what he wants. And anybody who's ever created anything can truly appreciate that level of care into what he's putting out into the world. So on that note, my name is Michael Lunsford, and this has been Stop Me If You've Heard This. After all the years I've found Occupational hazard be My occupation's just not around I 
like I drank Gonna hit a town I feel like I drank Gonna hit a This has been Pirate Radio Network production juice bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy.